Welcome to Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. Today's message is a continuation of the prophetic training series brought to you by Lane Reading. To find out more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. Well, then let's start off with our tradition of a few jokes. <laughs> this is from Steve. Recently, Steve and Christy went to a healing conference. It was such a bunch of garbage. Even the guy in the wheelchair walked out with him. That's good. Um, Here's a nerdy one. Why is beer never served at a math party? Because you can't drink and derive. All the nerds out there. <laughs> um, then we have some from John, our uh, sarcastic humor here. Um, we never really grow up. Hopefully, though, at least we learn how to act in public. <laughs> War does not determine who is right, only who is left, and then who gets to write history. <laughs> Have you ever noticed the evening news is where the announcer begins with good evening and then proceeds to convince you why it probably never will be good again? (laughs) Did you know that it's a fallacy that you need a parachute to skydive? You only need a parachute if you want to skydive twice. Uh, Did you know that some people, wherever they go, they bring happiness? And some people, whenever they leave, there's happiness. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Are we ready? I think we are ready. Yes, it looks like we are ready. Okay. Let's jump into tonight. So tonight, we're actually picking up on the second part of two weeks ago on relational government. Except this is relational government and prophecy. So let's jump into this. Although I have an anonymous joke here. When Matthew, the writer of the book of Matthews, told us to love our neighbor as ourselves, he immediately revealed why our neighbors are constantly beat up and looked like we feel. Okay, so the scripture here is, Matthew 19, 19, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, how we love ourselves is how we love our neighbors. And so, again, generalizing. So not everything is always true all the time, even in math, depending on your perspective. So what I'm trying to say here, though, is I think what, you know, just... If you looked at this, look at some of your relationships. And if there's a constant theme in them, then who's the only common denominator? You. And so that's also a way at times. If if you see something, in other words, if your friends are saying, I don't feel loved by you, and several of them say that, and I'm just throwing it out there, then what does that tell you potentially about yourself? You're not loving yourself. Now, that isn't, you know, that, you know, 
there's been so much negative talk about loving yourself because, it can, you know, it's narcissism and all this bad stuff. And that can be true. But if you don't love yourself healthily, you don't love healthy. And that means we all have room to grow. Okay, so let's move on. Um, the next slide is just showing, you know, we're in this session. I got, all right, okay, thank you. Whoa, now I've got the power. <laughs> um, that we're on this, you know, it says session three that's highlighted, but it's really foundation three. And we're talking about the gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy. And we're focused a lot on the, the gift of prophecy at the moment. So as we move along, that's just contextually where we are in all of the training we want to try to get through eventually. This one on relational government, what we spoke about in the first session on the topic of relational government was about who is my neighbor and what is our responsibility, okay? And we used the prodigal son. Then we touched on racism and how this is something that God is committed to rooting out of the church, which is in us as individuals, okay? Not just racism, but all forms of it, okay? That God is committed, it says, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female. That is beyond radical, I think, than we understood. I mean, the time in which it was written was unbelievably radical. And none of us are there, which means we all have some journey to take. So we just touched on this. Why? Because, as we'll see, there are times when we have to be aware of what's clouding how we're saying things and what we're saying. Okay? And then lastly, said we also spoke about how important it is for us to learn how to reach out and listen to each other, especially when we disagree. Okay? So now let's jump into what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to start off with a new commandment. Jesus says here in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Now, we just read, how do you love somebody? By how you love yourself. Okay? That you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay? So... My joke was somewhat real. I mean, look at the state of a lot of the church at times. It exposes that we don't love ourselves because we don't love each other. I'm not talking about agreeing with each other. I'm not talking... People... I don't know who's been married the longest in history or in this church or... But come on. Sometimes we don't even agree with ourselves. <laughs> I don't know if I want this or that. <laughs> I mean, it seems silly, but isn't that true? One of my jokes was I remember the first time I went shopping with Sheila. We stood in the soda aisle, and after 30 minutes, I walked away because she couldn't decide what soda she wanted. Now, it's funny, and, you know, different personalities, but... So that can't be what love is. Did, 
you, you know Jesus had a pretty diverse group of people with him. He had a tax collector. So somebody from the IRS. He had a zealot, which would be like, think of the most radical person on Black Lives Matter you can think of. That's what a zealot was. And put them in the room together with some fishermen. Sound like a good idea for church? <laughs> but that's what he did. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. I ain't hanging out with that tax collector. It'll be a cold day in COVID. <laughs> Come on, let's get real. What's all this praying? Get up and do something, Jesus. We, we need to take down the Romans. That's what a zealot is. Nowhere in there do I see Jesus saying any of them were wrong. Everywhere in here I see Jesus using examples. Do you realize that when he told the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, that he basically went and said, um, he took one of the most repugnant groups of people for Israel and made them the good guys, the Samaritans. That would be like saying in World War II, you know, there was an Englishman and a German, and the Englishman walked down and saw this guy on the street and walked by him, and the German walked down and picked the guy up and took care of him. That's the equivalence of what Jesus is saying here. It was beyond offensive. But we lose the cultural context. Okay. I want you guys, you know, you're all so agreeable. I mean, but he said that you love one another as I've loved you. Okay, Let, let's move on. This is what's going on. So we have our neighbor, but this is a one another. There's lots of one another's in scripture, but a new commandment he's given us that we Love one another. It's not a, I give you a new suggestion. Why would he command this? Because there's no way we can do it. And for us to do it, we'll take him. What John read about eating from the tree of life. Guess who the tree of life is? Jesus. Now, it's a metaphor, it's a reality, it's, and also in Revelations it talks about the 12 trees bearing fruit for the nations every month. Guess who those trees are? Symbolically in one way, you and me. God expects us to produce fruit, so. Now, it's more than that, don't misunderstand me. But do you get what's going on here? That why love is so critical. Okay, so let's move on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this role where I bounce between two topics and hopefully I'm tying them together. Out, oh, woo, that says inward. It should say outward. Are we on outward filters? We're on outward filters. So I'm talking about the prophetic. There are outward filters we need in the prophetic. How we function outwardly. Remember, I'm specifically talking about the gift of prophecy. 
as it relates to the church. There is so much more about the prophetic than church. We'll get to that and we'll loot it and we'll get into things later on because there is so much being missed there. Okay, and, and scripture doesn't have much to say. It doesn't say when you, when you have something that isn't a building encouraging and consoling, go do this. But we read, how? come on, one of the guys says there's going to be a drought and where, where, where was that in upbuilding, encouraging and consoling? And the elders and the apostle Paul take an offering before the drought happens so they'd have the money. How much trust do you think they had to have in the prophetic? Do you think that was the first time they'd seen something that had come true? I doubt it. I think they were just like us. They needed to be convinced. This is why we're doing this. We're laying the foundations that Scripture talks about because no matter where you do the prophetic, we need to keep these things in mind. Just because it's not in the church now means you can go prophesy and hate. You can be selfish and condemning. No. It's the platform on which everything comes from. Everything must be processed through the following filters. Upbuilding, encouraging, and consoling. We've gone through this over and over and over. But in relational context, it's very important. We'll get to some of it. We must be aware of Direction, discipline, doctrine, and I say, etc. Times, dates, exploits. Those go beyond encouraging exhortation and comfort. I mean, if suddenly God says, Terry and Vernon are going to win the lottery tomorrow, he has six numbers, and God's saying, move to Hawaii the next day. Is that encouraging exhortation and comforting? Now, it may be encouraging, and may be comforting. But do you think that needs to be judged a little more differently than God wants to tell you he loves you and he's moving on this situation? Yeah. Some of you have had that happen. You're, you're speaking and suddenly you think you're saying ABC and you think it means one thing and people are hearing something completely different. They can also misinterpret so, in the midst of this, though, God is saying he is raising up a prophetic group of people. And he is bringing people in who don't understand. Our job isn't to condemn and judge or go, that's not in the book. No, our job is to help people grow. Show a better way. Model it differently. Especially in the church. When you have directional, doctrinal, discipline, and it comes out of your mouth and you didn't mean it to be, okay? Do your best to stop and submit to the leadership or give it to a leader. Or, and if you know it ahead of time, try to write it down and communicate it beforehand. Not everything is meant for everyone. Don't panic. <laughs> Stay relational. And reach out to the authority structure. If you're in the church, the leadership. If you're in a business environment, whatever that organizational structure is. Okay? 
We must be conscientious that what we do with this is to ultimately encourage, exhort, comfort, as I think it's the King James, or in the EVS, the upbuild, encourage, and console. Okay? I don't want, I, I don't want to, there's some things I'm not saying which I'm, I'm going to get into. Okay. Then we have inward filters. How we function internally. We must embrace humility, being under authority and open to correction. I remember when God told me he was going to judge the apostolic and the prophetic and it really upset some people and some of them came to me and just said, can you not use the word judge? Can you use... And I, I, I said, okay, why? And they said, well, judgment, God doesn't judge us that way. You know, and what, they were hearing it through their filter. And I said, okay, what word would I use? Instead of getting defensive and don't try to change what God has told me, I try to hear what they were saying. And ultimately it came down to it says God, you know, judgment begins in the house of the God. What they were hearing was condemnation. And so I said, if I share this, I will be sure to say this isn't condemnation. <laughs> we always speak into a context and we need to try to be aware of that. Now, um, if they had come in and try to tell me to change the message of what God had said, then I, I would have to say, I cannot do that. But asking me that kind of stuff, do you, do you see the difference here? Hungry. Do we want God? Whether you're prophetic or not, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an evangelist, whether you're, you know, a pastor, what, is there hunger in your heart? Do you pursue the things of God? And we all do it differently, but, but that's how it comes out. And it's not all the time. You know, somebody may give you a word and you go, oh God, I don't want another one right now. That doesn't mean you're, you just may be tired. Put it on the shelf, go to bed, get up in the morning. You, you, but are you, are you hungry for what he's doing? Do you want to be involved in that? For so long, the body of Christ has been, you do that. <laughs> Where God is saying, no, 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 we are called to do this. That's engaging in that, okay? And then teachable, opening to learning more. None of us have perfect theology, which means hopefully in a year or two, I might have to go, hey, you remember when I said this? I've actually learned something different. We must be open to that. Does that mean that... Scripture is changing? No. Do any of you understand Scripture completely? 
I mean, come on, the Apostle Paul, who was the Pharisees of Pharisees, which probably meant he not only could quote the first five books of the Bible, he could quote every book of the Bible. I mean, let's just, and then he had studied under Gamil. He was, he was, you know, N.T. Wright's, um, Heiser, all wrapped, you think of all your great theological heroes wrapped in one. I mean, the, the, he has one experience with Jesus, and what happens? He had a few revelations. What I'm saying is, God is committed to unity. That means all of us are going to change in some ways. That doesn't mean we commit intellectual suicide and go, no, I suddenly agree with you. I don't know why, but I'm just going to... No! We have to work through how we think and be shown things and, and God reveal things. But can we not do it in love? This is what God is asking us. When we disagree, we don't put each other on the other side of the table. We keep the problem on the other side of the table and we're together going, we need to address that. Do, do you see the difference? Why do I bring this up? I remember in the 80s and early 90s that anybody who was disgruntled would get up and prophesy their opinion. Serious. I told you, I saw churches ripped apart. I could tell you horror stories. Now, we don't see that in our you know, community. And there's a lot more understanding. Um, this also isn't about control. Okay, this is not about being controlled. But this is about going, God gives us gifts. When you turn 16, you can get your driver's license. The rest of us hope that you pass your driver's license. <laughs> now, it's the same with gifts. God gives us gifts, but the body of Christ as a whole, we need to know how to use them so we're not running people over and running them down. It's maturing and growing. Okay, what we must be aware of the gold, the glory, and the guys of the girls. Meaning, money and power. Oh, did I not move? What happened? Woo! I must have touched something. Sorry. There we go. Back. What we must be aware of. These are the traps that the enemy tries to get us in. There's different ways of saying this. Um, you know, but this is, how do we deal with money and power? How do we deal with success? Meaning, we generally, you know, wow, I heard God. I heard God. I've watched it happen to people. Instead of, I'm hearing God. Wow. God, I want to hear you more. Help me. Well, I hear God, and on my 64 volumes that I will personally... Uh, do you see the difference? Now, I, again, then there's flattery. How do you deal when people are flattering you? 
Do you shut him down aggressively? Do you, oh, really, you think that of me? I walk on water, oh, yes. We must know who we are. What's that? Yes. And then how do we deal with sex? Especially in the prophetic. People who are prophetic, there are so many warnings about sexual immorality. It's not only prophetic people, but since we're discussing prophetic, I'm going to bring it up. Here's something that Leon, my pastor, when I got saved, helped me understand. And he said, Lane, so many people are starved for love. He said that when they come into the presence of God's love and they don't know better, they sexualize it. And he said, as a pastor, I have to be careful because when I show people love, they feel the love of God, but the only thing they know is a broken form. I can't expect that they'll respond differently initially. And, you know, there's a whole lot of teaching, which I'm sure Vernon could do an amazing job on, you know, the different words for love and what it means and why it's important. But the issue here is when somebody ministers prophetically at times, they step into the very center of who you are at times. And it can be very undoing. And there is a connection of intimacy that isn't real in the sense of, I don't know you, you don't know me. I just stepped into the middle of who you are and made you feel connected. But it's not really me. It's the presence of God that at the moment looks bold. <laughs> but we can't expect people to understand that always. And so we must be aware of this. That's why community is so important. Because ladies pick up on other ladies and guys pick up on other guys. And I, I've said before, ladies, if you're uncomfortable about something, about one of the men or whatever, or come and speak. Typically, it's not the other way around. But I've seen it happen where women can be inappropriate and try to manipulate and get. We're people. We've got to be aware of this and stop it. And so if we see somebody, for me, mostly guys, sometimes if it's a lady and my wife's with me or someone else, I'll address it and go, I think you're misunderstanding what's going on. Yes, you feel in love, but you don't know this person, so it can't be love. What you're feeling is the love of God that you've never felt and connection and your misunderstanding. We never demean people. I know for a fact that John Paul Jackson had to have people with him because whenever he traveled, after the first five or six things, he said that um, he would open the door and he would have somebody else check his bed because too often there would be naked, a naked woman in his bed. They were convinced that he was their husband and God had told them and they were to consummate. And 
Now, it's not just, you know, unfortunately, I, I didn't know a female prophetess at that same level at the time. But similar, people misinterpret. Now, sometimes the enemy sends them. Most times, I just think they're broken. But we have to be aware of this, ladies and men, and cover each other. And especially in today's world where the whole issue of lesbianism and homosexuality is prevalent. We have to be aware of that and not naive and not judgmental either. It doesn't help anyone grow. It's interesting. My wife can tell me when a guy is feeling inappropriate towards me. She knows that same feeling. Ladies, trust your instincts. Men as well. People are people. This infiltrates and influences the prophetic on profound levels. That's why I say we must be aware of prophetic people can discern people's spirits. You know? And we prophesy what we're feeling on their spirit, not from the Holy Spirit. Instead of taking that and going, God, they want to go to Hawaii, what are you saying? You've heard me use that analogy, and I'm just... So, be aware of these areas. Okay? When you move into beyond just the gift of prophecy, this becomes incredibly important. You don't... Humble, hungry, and teachable isn't just for the prophetic. I don't care if you're called to be teaching. Are you humble? Can you be taught to be a better teacher? Are you hungry? I don't care. (laughs) The apostles, all of the gifting struggle with this. The more leadership that is in your life, the more you will struggle with this. I wish it weren't true. I've just seen it to be true. Do you know that Yonggi Cho has a church of three quarters of a million. That's 750,000 people. Give or take a couple of thousand. You've heard me say, there's seven off-ramps off the freeway to his church. Off the freeway. Okay? Do you know that he doesn't travel alone at all? And that he starts by going... This gentleman is with me. Nobody can get to me unless you go through him. I enjoy sex too much and have committed adultery and I do not want to ever do it again. Now that's a little shocking, isn't it? (laughs) It gets real. He doesn't want to sin anymore. And so he's put some pretty strict boundaries. Not just because he enjoys sex, but I'm sure, as I've told you, other people want that as well. There's something in us that's cannibalistic that we think if we can get something from someone. And if we don't understand how God works, it becomes warped and twisted. 
And so sometimes when people, we have that saying that they're groupies, spiritual groupies, it can become cannibalistic and very unhealthy. Now, I'm not saying we, God doesn't impart to us through people. I am saying that, and we need more of it. But we have to be aware of the abuses and not subject ourselves to them and not be subjected to that. There are times when I minister and I can feel the spirit in the room change because jealousy is rising. You've heard me say this. I, where's the word for me? What about me? And what that does is when it becomes unhealthy is it attracts manipulation and witchcraft, which most of you know what comes with that. And God has taught me. I stood up once to speak and instantly went blind. Instantly, not a migraine coming up, instantly went blind. That's how vicious the onslaught of that Jezebel spirit was at that time. Part of it was I didn't know there were doors in my life. I had to close doors, take hooks out of me. We must learn from this. Or we're going to just keep putting our little fig leaves over in shame instead of going, Jesus, you, you, you really did pay the price. You are more than enough. Okay. Whoa, it gets heavy. All right. Um, why a new commandment? Why did Jesus give a new commandment? Why? This is my commandment. John 15, 12 through 17. It's a little later on. That you love one another as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, he was just talking to the 12 apostles of the Lamb, so we don't have to worry about that, right? It wasn't written to us. It's really not for us, so we can skip this part. He said, we are no longer servants. If you remember from earlier teaching, God says, I tell my friends secrets. <laughs> he just said, we're all his friends if we do what he says. Do you, the new commandment is because it's about love. Because love is the most unique force in all of history and the world. It is completely individual and global. It's like pain. I used to say the word pain, all of us could go, ooh. But pain is individual as well. Nobody experiences pain the same way. 
I can go, yeah, I had a root canal. We all cringe. And then a woman says, I gave birth to triplets. And all the men go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what am I saying? We can, we can relate, but it, it's still individual. This form of love is where we lay ourselves down, not out of weakness, not out of codependency, because remember, we're coming from we love ourselves so we can love our neighbor properly, so we can lay our lives down healthily where he asks us to. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Remember, love is in the middle of all the things about prophecy. Love is patient, love is kind. Prophecy is patient, prophecy is kind, prophecy is not self-seeking. We did all that. Okay, so this is why we have a new commandment, so that we will love one another. It's kind of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. When we should not prophesy. I'm saying God comes and gives you something. Here are some things that I use personally and that I look for in others. When we shouldn't prophesy. When there is unforgiveness in our heart that we are aware of, consciously aware of. What we've done in action and attitude to others. When we've done something. Especially if you feel like God is speaking to you about that person or those people. Do not think that's prophecy. And I will border on the side of almost blasphemy to say, you would need to have God appear at the foot of your bed and then you need to judge 12 times. By people who don't like you. <laughs> Why am I saying this? I have seen the prophetic weaponize their gifting against people they have anger and bitterness against. Too often. I've never felt that. I'm above all that. I don't need these boundaries. Yeah, right. Ask my wife. We're human. We need each other. On the best of days, we may not see through our own issues. Now, well, let's go on. When others have sinned against us, Do not hear me saying God cannot speak that way. What I am categorically saying is if you have an issue against someone and God speaks to you, which I've had him experience that several times, which makes me mad. Don't talk to me about them. You talk to them. Am I the only one? What I have to do is take the log out of my own eye first. And have that word judged by people who are not involved.
I could tell you two very painful stories that God put me through with that. Because he is more committed to me growing up than my comfort. Isn't that what happened with a certain prophet that landed up in the belly of a whale? Jonah did not want to go tell the Ninevites who were the worst terrorists on the planet who had for hundreds of years butchered people, especially the Jewish nation. He didn't want to go because he was afraid they would repent. I want that level of faith. Come on. Every one of you have given prophetic words and you know it's going to happen. There's not a shadow of a doubt. Here's a prophet who was so convinced that God would cause him to repent that he chose to be rebellious. He had so much faith he was rebellious. Not so little faith. He was not wanting to be... Come on, look at it the other way. Are we that convinced? We're getting there. This is what's going on. He didn't deal with his unforgiveness. God still used him. <laughs> Conflict of interest. When you stand to gain something, gold, glory, the guys, the girls, be very careful. I like pink, so when they're going to put pink carpet in the church, thus saith the Lord, all the carpets will be pink. And I wish I were joking. When I said it was ugly in the 80s and 90s, I meant it was ugly. And that was not a woman who prophesied that. Just in case the ladies are feeling condemned. That is beyond inappropriate. Even if that was a true word, which that one wasn't, that's not the place. Where's the comfort, exhortation? That is something that's written down and handed to the leadership. Why? Because it's their job to make a decision. And if they get three or four more prophetic words, all the carpets need to be pink from a diverse group of people, guess what? They have a choice. The carpets will either be pink or they will be in rebellion. That happens all the time. You and I, Steve, we get prophetic words. People come and go, I don't know what this means. <laughs> and you start putting three or four of them together. You're going, oh, we know what that means. <laughs> See, there's more than just public prophecy. There is guidance and instruction and there's a lot more going on. This is why it's so important for us to grasp this idea of love one another. And it's about unity and building. Now, that doesn't mean it's, there aren't these other things going on, but it's how they're done and handled. I have watched in the 80s and 90s Leaders taken down because prophetic people got up and prophesied they were in sin publicly. And then everybody began questioning them. 
That is rebellion and must stop now. If I ever hear that, I will go after it, even if it's true. Why? Scripture says, do not bring an accusation against an elder unless two or three. That doesn't mean all the prophets get in a dark room and confer with each other and then go publicly attack. No. Never, ever do that. And if you see it being done, stop it, please. Now, I have seen it done properly as well, but nobody will ever know about it because it's not done publicly. I have had God speak to me about certain leaders, and I don't know what to do with it. Seven out of the ten times, I've done nothing. Because I don't have a format to reach that person. On the ones that I did, I made sure that it was done in a way that was redemptive. I believe this and this happened. God is showing me for this reason so that you can repent now. Otherwise, it will be made public. I know of several of the big names that fell during the 80s and 90s that prophetic people went to them privately. Multiple prophetic people went to them privately. They chose not to listen. I know of two that did. God isn't as concerned about sin as we are. Don't hear what I'm not saying. He wants us to deal with it. He's dealt with it. He's not going to let it continue. But he doesn't treat us like animals. He treats us with respect even when we're in sin. We need to do the same. There are extreme, rare occasions where God violates that. But I don't even consider myself to be mature enough to be one of those people. And I've been doing this for 35 years. Please. Okay, pride. Seeking recognition. I got the Barnabas. Sal's property, lays it at the past feet. And last fire? Ooh, he got that attention. Now, I'm not saying this is, this is Lane's theology. I can't prove this, but this is what we see. And a nice fire afterwards, go sell property and lie that they're giving it all to God. Why didn't they just say, we're going to give you part of it? Did anywhere you read of the apostles say, when you sell Hobbes, you've got to give all the money to the apostles? No. no. So why did they lie? Because we hear before that Barnabas had sold and gave it to the apostles. So obviously there had been some recognition and some statement. <gasps> wow. What happened? They dropped dead. This is what happens with pride. The other side, as you hear me often say, ladies, is false humility. <gasps> God, wouldn't, you, you're not speaking to me. You know, at the end of this, I'm sure people are going, should I speak, should I not speak? Do I? Now, that's not the goal. 
okay, this is a safe environment, but I want us to be exposed to some of the bigger things and why. Okay? All right. Let's go to the next one. Let love be genuine. Romans 12, 9 through 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold to fast what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. So women don't have to love one another, right? Duh, no. Outdo one another in showing honor. Ooh. Genuine, and Barbara, who you're going to hear speak on Sunday, help me understand this more clearly. It means without wax. Meaning when, when they made something, they would put wax in it, like pillars and things. It wasn't, you know, like 100% chocolate. I grew up in South Africa with really good chocolate. Camry, serious, really good. And I came to America, and it has a lot of wax in it. Now, since I've been here longer, they've started getting some really good chocolate because people are going, I don't like all the wax. That's what I'm talking about. Don't let your love have falseness in it. Okay? All of us mess up. So if there's falseness in our love at times, go, wow. I, I, most times we're not aware of it, and when we are, just deal with it. We move on. Okay, let's, I've got to rush to finish these. Clarification one. I am not saying that we have to be mature mentally, emotionally, spiritually, theologically, physically, etc., perfect, before we can or should step out. I am not saying that. Okay? I know it seems like I am. It's like, no. We trust the Holy Spirit, but many of you, I'm, I'm watching it happen. You're going, whoa, God's speaking, but this seems a little more, so I, I need to ask questions. You're not going, <gasps> The teaching is sinking in. We're building better and differently. And it's helping. I'm not saying, you know, this is the final destination we can reach. Meaning, we're going to get perfect. And no, I'm saying, it's primary relational. Let's keep talking. Today I was texting with somebody who told me something very confidential and asked me not to share it and I said I would never do that have I ever done and they said yes and I said please forgive me then you know they said well uh, and I said it doesn't matter thank you for your kind words the fact that you felt betrayed that I had shared something without your permission at some point is wrong That's how we deal with it. Do we have enough relational investment, capital in our relationships to be honest and get more honest and work through things? I mean, what happens if somebody comes to the church and falls in love with Steve? What do we, uh, you'll beat him? <laughs> But you hear what I'm saying. Yes, we protect Steve, but we now know that person is misinterpreting what they're feeling. And they're, 
they've got a, a love hunger. We clearly go, okay, you're being vulnerable. Do you understand this is wrong? Yes. Whew, okay, that one's easier. If they don't, that's a whole other discussion. If they do, then we go, okay, how can we help you work through this? What is it in your life you don't feel like you've ever gotten or have? Okay, making sense? I am saying no matter how mature or immature we feel or are in our faith, we must still all strive to continue to be continually filled with the fruit and the power of the Spirit. We don't fight sin by getting legalistic. We fight sin by obeying the Spirit. Don't engage in the ring. Keep your focus on the Spirit. No matter how no matter, matter, no matter, matter, how mature or immature Lane's writing is or isn't, no, how we feel, we have to be responsible to obey Jesus' commandment to love one another. Okay? The filter is love. Even when we're told some nasty, creepy things. Even when... God shows you stuff. Clarification two. I am not saying that you must second guess everything you do all the time out of fear of doing it wrong. No. I'm not saying that. Please. I am saying we need to seek out safe environments to grow in sharing what we're hearing, seeing, feeling. We need to grow. And that means we'll get it wrong. As we're learning and growing, we need to remember that God's heart is for unity and maturity. So let's look at our fruit. Not everything we say, I mean, if people only give prophetic words that everything is perfect, we're all going to go, okay, well, reality, you're, this is earth. And may, uh, But if all of what comes out of our mouth is doom and gloom, who... It's most times when I give prophetic words, I only give about 10%. If people come back to me and ask, then I can give more at times. But not everything I get is to be given. That doesn't... Now... Some people do it as a sense of control. Well, I could tell you, you know, when you're mature, we don't fall for that either, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm respecting people and I'm trying to give the essence of what God is saying. And I've just also learned in context there's certain things you don't say and you don't need to. If, if I don't give it all, God is faithful. God loves that person. It's not, it's not a once and done. Now all of you are going, you gave me a word, did he tell me? No, just relax. That's not the point. I'm saying sometimes you get stuff and it, you can't always give everything. Take that guilt off. Sometimes you can't say anything. Sometimes you're just meant to pray. 
Sometimes God's telling you that so when it happens, you go, oh, he did tell me that, and it happened. When he told me one president was going to be assassinated, not president, I should say, a ruler of another country, to keep it vague, and I only told Ed and Barbara, my wife, and two days later that person was assassinated, I, it, I was devastated. It took me a long time to realize that God was teaching me that I was hearing his voice. So that when he actually told me to do something, and I went, ah, you're not the right person. He goes, yeah, this, 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 this. And I've got the wrong person. <laughs> I told him, he will convince you. <laughs> You've got to see it from his side every now and then. So not everything is to give, especially as he's teaching you in different areas. Jenny? Sorry, um, I'm really not sorry. I love you, and I see you. As we're learning and growing, we need to remember that God's heart is for unity, which is why we do our best to stay within the bounds of edification, exhortation, comfort, or upbuilding, encouraging, and comforting. When we go out of that, it's not that it's wrong, it's that there's a different context. Something more is going on, and we need to be more accountable. And more protected. This is why God has told me to spend time laying foundations and helping to build a community and communities where this gifting can arise more safely and more maturely. Not everything is about the church. But as a church, we must be responsible to create those communities. If we're out of those bounds, meaning edification, exhortation, comfort, or when we discover we're out of those bounds, we must reach out to the leaders in our lives, just as accountability. We don't need to panic, but as we move in that way, I promise you, it becomes more natural and we begin to go, whoa, I'm crossing the line here. We're moving out of just ministry. This is a whole different area. And it's good. As you've heard me tease, you know, Dom, and we'll go to the last slide and we'll end with this because we're over time. Clarification three. I am not saying that we are false if we get it wrong or don't function properly out of the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, we're still on two. Let's go to three. Sorry, three. We're never going to be perfect. I have never seen a perfect marriage. But I got married. Just because something isn't the ideal, may not be actualized, doesn't mean we don't want something better and move towards it. That's what I'm trying to say here. We, we, we want to do things better. We're not going to be perfect. And when we're not, and it's blatant, so to speak, then we deal with it and we move on. That way, when false comes around, we go, oh, that's a different spirit. You don't know what spirit you're of. And we keep in mind, hmm, there were two apostles who wanted to call down strange fire. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. 
One of those apostles also got, get behind me, Satan. I haven't had that in a while, so it's a good day. <laughs> I mean, come on. God says to you, get behind me, Satan. Oh, that would rock our worlds. But do you hear my heart? He's still chosen me. He, he, we have to learn. So, what I am saying is that we all get it wrong or partially wrong at times. That part of learning is acknowledging that we hear and see in part and none of us has it all. That we must be open to learning and growing, not just when we get it wrong, but when we get it right. Learning to see ourselves, to, sorry, to set ourselves aside so that God's emotion can come through. And these are some things we'll talk about in other levels, but the prophetic isn't just about edification, exhortation, and comfort. The gift of prophecy is. But when you're called to more, there is way more going on. And if God is calling people into more of the prophetic, not just prophecy, it's because this is meant to be an example to all of us to grow. As I've said, all of us are told to go. All of us are told to witness. All of us are told to teach. It's just in our spheres that it may change or be different. And so God is asking this of us. There are some amazingly terrifying scriptures <laughs> when we read them for what they are. Because he wants to be with us. He died for us. As my wife, Sheila, spoke on Sunday, the joy set before Jesus was us. The joy. He, Jesus endured the cross because of the joy. And what was the joy? Sin removes the barrier between us and God. There's nothing holding him back. It's just us. The joy set before him. He enjoyed the cross. What's our joy? This is what God wants to speak to us about so that we endure some of the things we're going through. Jesus' greatest battle was at Gethsemane. What was it? Not my will be done but yours. Three times, over three hours, that's what he prayed. None of you have problems with your wills, right? It's always God's will. As we move into this, that becomes a little more sobering, a little more real, because God is in the midst of convincing you of who you are. And I'm not just going to say Jenny, I would also say John. <laughs> He is convincing you who you are. The enemy is trying to throw everything in your way as to why you are not that. And everything you have done wrong and everything the enemy wants to convince you you did wrong. But as a community, as you can talk things out and you begin to go, well, that... that that is more ridiculous than it even sounded in my own head. If you've not had that, you need that 
to be able to just... Okay. Clear as mud. (laughs) There is a weightiness here. There's a weightiness on this church, on this region. It's not just about the prophetic. Remember, God wants all of these gifts working together. I've been on prophetic meetings around the world. And when I say, how do you work with apostles? Next, literally. Well, we all stay in our own lanes. If God's called you to do that, you do that. And they're amazing people. You've heard a few of my scars from working with apostolic people. Now, we should get some of the apostolic people to come up. They could tell their same thing about prophetic people. <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> prophetic peanut butter. Peanut butter. Why? Because it's not being done well. And if it were easy, more people would be better at it. But this is what Scripture says. You've heard me say, I don't take my experience and build theology around it. I live my experience, but I have to be changed by theology. I have to let that challenge me. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good. (laughs) This is what God is wanting, is a body that learns how to work together. All the gifting. With those with gifts of help aren't work to death. Those with the gift of mercy aren't mercy to death. Those with the administrators where things can function well. And it's not just the structures they put in place. They bring an anointing that facilitates There are anointings behind these things that far exceed the practical structures. It's like I say, I work in the medical industry, okay? There are some people who are practitioners. There are others who are healers. I've met Buddhist, Hindu, and Islamic and felt the Spirit of God on them. They cared and they were relentless about how they helped people. And they did good. It doesn't justify anything, but I'm not going to demonize them or separate them because I disagree on some things. I cannot fellowship with people who aren't Christian, but I can be friends. There's a difference. It took me working 100 hours a week for almost four months with a group of people I was leading to learn that lesson. May that never happen to you. (laughs) But we must learn how to treat people well and receive their gifting. Otherwise, how are we teaching the rest of the world to receive ours? 
Okay. Whoa, there's so much going on. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and your glory and your strategies and your plans. And that this is one of the aspects of what you're doing in the area of the prophetic. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing in the prophetic. I ask, God, for all that you have for us to continue, God, just to enfold us. I ask for more wisdom, more insight to help us navigate, God, as you release giftings and dreams and visions and experiences, God that the fruit of your kingdom would be paramount and that we will see unity and maturity amongst all the giftings, but specifically tonight I ask amongst the prophetic. You use the prophetic, God, in Corinthians as an example of how unity is demonstrated. And so I cry out for that. May that be so heavy upon us here and in this region. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you would like to find out more about who we are, you can find that at ctfboulder.com. If you haven't already, please make sure to follow us on all of our other social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Spotify. We post different content on each platform, and we want you guys to stay as updated as possible. We have so much love for you guys. God bless.